Some of you from certain uh, church backgrounds, this may be real familiar to you. For us, it's not. We don't always do this. But I want to ask you if you do something today. We always want to honor the word. But today on Easter Sunday, would you please stand with me and honor the word of God as we read it together? Yeah, everybody stand with me. We're just going to read the scriptures together. And then you can say, you're like, oh, really? I was just standing for a whole worship set. I know. Um, we're just going to read the scriptures together. And then you can be seated. All right. So everybody, please welcome my good friend, E.C. Let's read it. I'm just reading <laughs> Isaiah 53, 5 through 10. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it upon it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that gripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on him. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to the slaughter and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought of his own welfare, for his own welfare. Beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he never heard a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin, so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. First Corinthians fifteen twelve through 22, the resurrection of the dead. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Luke 24, verses 1 through 7. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, be raised again. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. <laughs> Thank you very much for doing that. Well, it is Easter Sunday. It's an amazing day. You know, Easter Sunday is very important, but uh, Easter Sunday is very important to pastors particularly. Like if you watch social media, uh, leading up to Easter Sunday, pastors are really, really busy trying to get people involved and get them to come to service. My, my feed is full of pastors, and it was out of control this past week. But it's because it's a special day, and we want things to go just right. And some of you may have seen, may have seen things that sometimes you go to church, you go to an Easter service, and, and it doesn't work out just right. Like you may have seen some on YouTube, or maybe you've heard stories. I'm familiar with some stories, actually. We've done Easter plays for a long time throughout our history, and uh, there was one time I, re- I heard the story about Jesus, the actor playing Jesus. He was about to be resurrected and, 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 and he was ascending into heaven. And so on his way up, you know, he's bolted in, he's strapped in, and he's going up into the rafters in the church ceiling, which is always very exciting. And on his way up, one of the ropes snaps. And Jesus goes swinging this way and swinging back this way and swinging back this way. It was more of a musical at that point. It was very exciting. It's a lovely, lovely experience. Or I just saw this on YouTube this past week. There was a church that I don't know why they would do this, but they thought it was a good idea to put pyrotechnics, you know, flames and whatnot, inside the tomb. The tomb made of paper mache, by the way. And so they put it inside. And so, so the guy's over here and he's singing. Ah! I don't know what the song was, but he was very operatic singing. And it's this climactic moment. The tomb opens up. The stone rolls away. Jesus comes out, pyro in the background until... The tomb catches fire. Of course it's going to catch fire. So it goes up in flames. And, and Jesus is wandering around. The guy's singing, ah, and don't know what to do. The guys are running up on the platform. They're grabbing the stone that rolled away, which, of course, is paper mache. It's on fire. So they throw it out, out of the way, but it gets more oxygen, so it just bursts into more flames. Everyone's running around screaming, fire extinguishers. They had a wonderful celebration that day because they didn't die. <laughs> There's one of my favorites, though, was when, uh, I don't know what this church was doing, but they, they, they rigged the cross to, like, raise on its own, which was very cool, very dramatic. But it was to raise on its own. But somehow, and maybe this is urban legend, but somehow on that morning, the, the, the cross was coming up, and instead of a gentle rising, it, it acted like a catapult. Bam! It just came up. And so Jesus goes flying, <laughs> flying out into the seats. Like, Jesus is landing on the audience, you know. People in the back are like, ooh, that was 3D. I don't know how they did that. That was so exciting. What a great show. You know, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't go just right. In fact, the previous service, we had some hiccups. I probably brought that on myself by telling these stories. But sometimes it doesn't go just like you want it to, and it kind of highlights this idea, you know, where you look at this thing that's being presented to you, and you're like, is that really real? Or is that just an actor guy being catapulted into my face on Sunday morning? Like, is this story really real? You know, this is Easter, and it's an incredible time of year, and we're celebrating lots of stuff today. You know, you've got, um, you've got uh, spring. Spring is here, which is incredible. It's arrived along with most of our allergies. It's here. 
and that's always exciting. Um, you know, pastels, pastels are everywhere. Uh, it is the one day, perhaps, where a dude can show up in pink and feel fairly confident about it. Oh, you're much more embracing than the first service. Thank you. <laughs> Boo. Um, and you feel strong about that. Candy is abundant. It's everywhere, including those Starburst jelly beans. Have you had those? They're my favorite jelly beans. They're so, you know what I'm talking about? They're so good. So incredibly good. Cadbury eggs are out too, and I do not understand that. That's gross. I don't think that should happen. Um, <laughs> Easter bunnies are out at the mall to celebrate, you know, with the kids. And sometimes Easter bunnies at the Walmart, which I, I just saw this past week, and frankly, he was a little bit scary. <laughs> he just got gnarly costume. He's wandering around. It was very scary. It's like, come on, kids, let's go. And, uh, that happened last week. Uh, you've, got, you've got Peeps. Peeps are out. Any Peeps fans? Yep. My son likes to put Peeps in the microwave, and um, he likes to heat them up, and so they kind of expand and get a little melty, and he eats them up all gooey. I like my Peeps in the trash. I think that's where they go. That's frankly where they belong, because I don't understand those things at all. Um, hard-boiled eggs and Easter egg hunts, because nothing says resurrection life like the smell of a hard-boiled egg. I don't... I don't know how that happened, but it did. Um, kids are all dressed up. Everybody looks good. Perfect. You all look fabulous today, by the way. You know, everybody's dressed up and coming to church, at least for the first five minutes, everybody looks good till the first fight in the car. But, but it's this moment where all these wonderful things are happening and we're celebrating today. But for many of us, there's more because there's this story. For many of us in the room today, there's this story and it's, a, it's an incredible story. And I'll be honest with you, even for me, it's kind of hard to believe. It's such an amazing tale. And when you hear this story, what it does is it, it kind of confronts you. Like it confronts you and it forces you to make a choice. Like you have to decide. Because when it's being presented to you over the Easter holiday weekend and any other time from coworkers or family or friends, Anytime it's being presented to you, you're being told, this is a real story. And you and I have to make the determination. We have to choose whether or not we're going to believe that. Of course, I'm talking about the story of Jesus of Nazareth and his life and his death, his burial and his resurrection that we're celebrating today. Now, obviously, we're not the only ones that are celebrating this, right? Easter is a global event. I mean, people all over the world, millions of people are celebrating that today. The church around the world actually has celebrated this day for about 2,000 years. I mean, this, this is a big deal. In fact, it's such a big deal that the life of this man, Jesus, it literally split history in half from B.C. to A.D. So every time you write down the date, you are writing it down with Jesus Christ as the focal point. You don't, you don't often think of that, do you? This is the way. This is a big deal. So Easter asks us to look at this person again and to make the decision. 93% of people in America, there's a new study that said 93% of people in America actually believe that Jesus was a real person, that he lived, that he walked the earth, that he was here. And most people have no problem with him. They think, oh yeah, he's a good guy. He's a moral teacher. He's compassionate. He's kind. He loved the poor. He helped the poor. You know, he did, he did good things. It's, it's his divinity that we stumble on. It's his divinity, his, his being God that... We're not so sure exactly what to do with it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, we read it today already. And it says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. It's a pretty amazing thing, isn't it? What is this story about? The great theologian uh, Bono he said, he said, 
Some of you are like, who? Uh, if you don't know, you need to know. Um, Google Bono. You go, oh, right. Um, this is what he said. He said, either Christ was who he said he was, the Messiah, or he was a complete nutcase. I mean, we're talking nutcase on the level of Charles Manson. The man was strapping himself to a bomb and had King of the Jews on his head. And as they were putting him up on the cross, was going, okay, martyrdom, here we go. Bring on the pain. I can take it. I'm not joking here, Bono said. The idea that the entire course of civilization for over half of the globe could have its fate changed and turned upside down by a nutcase, to me, that's far-fetched. No nutcase. Chances are most, if not all of you, know this story. You heard it in Sunday school while you were growing up? Or your grandma told it to you while you sat on her knee? Or maybe some guy on TV with big hair yelled it at you a bunch of times? Or maybe you've just grown up in church all of your life and you just know this story by heart. Whatever the case today, I want to ask you, no matter what your background is, no matter what, 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 what history you have with the church and whether that's been good or bad or difficult or incredible, whatever it is today, would you remember the story with me? Today, I want you to imagine it. I want you to imagine the story. I want you to imagine being there. I want you to imagine the sights and the sounds and the smells. I want you to imagine having a front row seat to the most incredible story that ever happened. I want you to imagine complete darkness and silence. There's not a single sound or shard of light. And in the midst of that darkness, the voice of God speaks, let there be light. Maybe the creator said this in a booming and powerful voice. Maybe he said it in the gentle whisper of a father. We actually don't know how he said it. All we know is that God created light and it ripped through the darkness and it illuminated everything. And then at breakneck speed, God's creation comes to life. The light became day, the darkness becomes night. He created the sky with its billowing clouds. He created sandy beaches, colossal waves that crash on the shore. Birds, they flew through the air. Fish swam across the sea and mammals ran across the grass. And he created rich oxygen for all of us to breathe and plants and trees so that we would never run low on air. And finally, he made someone that looked like us. Two eyes, pupils, the nose, four fingers, a thumb on each hand. He created a man and he created a woman. He named the man Adam, which means ruddy or created from the earth. And he named the woman Eve, which means living or lively. And God spent time with them. And he spoke to them differently than he did to any other creature on the earth. He also gave them this fatherly warning. He said, you may eat from any tree in the garden, but this tree of knowledge, please, Please, do not for any reason touch this one. Well, the humans, they tried not to pay attention to it, but the enemy wouldn't let them forget it. It asked, are you not allowed to eat from the trees? And Eve said, oh, no, we, we, we're allowed to eat from any tree except for this tree in the center of the garden. If we eat from it, we will surely die. And the, the enemy, he, he tempted Eve with this intoxicating idea. He said, you will not die. 
you will become like God. And so Eve took a bite of the fruit. And so did Adam. And the humans did not die, but their innocence was slaughtered. See, they wanted to control their own destiny. They wanted to become like God by their own knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to control their own destiny. And so they wanted to pursue life on their terms. They resisted God. And through their decision, they separated themselves from him. So they hid from God, and they were, they were removed from paradise and forced out into the world. So now they had to fend for themselves. <laughs> they had to farm the land. They had to search for water. And because of their mistake, we would all have to work. We'd build shelters. We'd raise livestock. And many, many years later, some of us would spend our lives in something called a cubicle. We'd have bosses and paychecks. We'd get hired and fired. This, this whole idea of work, it stretches all the way back to this fallout from God. This is also where the pain began for us. Children were now born out of the pain from their mother. We would get cuts and bruises and broken legs, scarlet fever and cancer. But worst of all, this separation from God was where sin began. Because not long after Adam and Eve left paradise, their son would kill his own brother. The sinfulness would get passed down from father to son and from mother to daughter. You yourself, you might know the pain that sin brings. You might know how it feels. Have you ever been tempted? Have you ever made a mistake that, that you just wish you could take back? Have you ever felt deep, deep shame? Have you ever hurt somebody else? I mean, imagine the worst parts of yourself running unchecked, running rampant, and destroying you and destroying everybody around you. This is what sin does. And we have all sinned. Humankind was in this sinful wilderness for a long time. We were in exile. And something had to change. Humankind needed hope. They needed a savior. We needed a rescue. An all-knowing, all-powerful being to reach out and rescue every single person alive and every single person who would ever live. What we got was a baby. Small and fragile infant that had to be changed and burped and cuddled so he wouldn't get too cold. A baby born in a barn or maybe someplace more like a cave in a little town called Bethlehem that practically no one on earth had ever heard of. And God's rescue plan had begun. This was no ordinary baby, you see. His mother, his mother was a human woman named Mary, but his father wasn't Joseph, it was God himself. And this made the baby fully human, able to laugh and cry and feel pain, but also fully God with the power of the creator of the universe, stretching from his tiny fingertips all the way down to his baby toes. This made him the most unique being that we had or ever would encounter. His name is Yeshua. 
later to be Latinized as Jesus. And he lived amongst us. He learned carpentry. We didn't know a lot about his life until he turned 30 years old. Because Jesus' story really began when he was baptized by his cousin. He was a wild man and a prophet named John the Baptist. John lived out in the wilderness and survived on a low-carb and gluten-free diet of locusts and honey. And John declared that God's kingdom was at hand and that God would send a savior to rescue all of mankind. John spent his whole life preparing the way for his cousin, Jesus of Nazareth. And when he baptized Jesus, it was this incredible moment where the heavens split open and the spirit of God, almost like a dove coming down, said to everybody there, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now that Jesus had been commissioned by God, well, you would think he could do anything. He, he, he could feed 5,000 people. He could part the Red Sea. He could strike a rock so that from it would flow rivers of Topo Chico, <laughs> which I would really like. But what did he actually do? <laughs> he went to the wilderness alone, and Jesus prayed, and he fasted, and he was tempted. The enemy, the same enemy who tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. He was up to his old tricks. And Satan tempted Jesus with his own physical needs. He was tempted to rely on his own abilities. And he was tempted like many of us are with power and influence. It's a strange chapter that Jesus would be tempted right after the father said how pleased he was with his son. Or, or maybe, maybe it's not that strange. Maybe God is saying that it's right before a seemingly great moment that temptation hits us the most. So Jesus, he wrestled with the same temptations that you and I face, but he never forgot about his purpose. He turned down every temptation, and then he began to reach out to all of us. He performed miracles, and I gotta be honest, some of them were strange. I mean, he, he spit in the ground and made mud, and he took it and he put it on the eyes of a blind man so that that blind man could see. An entire town showed up to stone a woman to death. And Jesus said, those of you without sin, you can cast the first stone. Another man who was lame, paralyzed from birth, he was lowered down through a roof. And Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. Now, the things he said, they were even stranger. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The meek, the persecuted, the poor, these didn't seem like the blessed. But Jesus was telling about a different kind of kingdom. He was explaining the upside-down kingdom of God that was now showing up. Jesus told stories, too. He told the story of a man who was beaten, left for dead on the side of a road, and a good Samaritan came by, picked him up, bandaged his wounds, paid for his medical care. He told a story, a parable of a prodigal son who ran as far as he could from his father. He sinned until there was nothing left. He squandered his inheritance. He spent the family fortune. And yet, amazingly, the father welcomed him back with arms wide open. And Jesus said, this is how God loves us. 
This is how we should love one another. Well, the religious leaders, they didn't understand his message. They wanted to control the power, you know. They they wanted to control their own destiny. They wanted to become like God by their own knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to live life on their own terms. And so they resisted God's plan and purpose. And they separated themselves from God. And so they convinced one of Jesus' closest friends to betray him. Jesus was He was dragged away in the middle of the night under false accusations. And soon his closest disciples would deny that they'd ever even met him. The trial was a mockery. Jesus was sentenced to death, but but for what? For, For healing the sick? For turning water into wine? For showing us the love of God? No, that that same enemy. That same old enemy that attempted Adam and Eve in the garden, that same enemy that attempted Jesus, he was up to his old tricks again. He wanted to ruin God's rescue plan for you and for me. And so the people who were before shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the king. They were now shouting, crucify him. And Jesus was forced to carry his cross through the streets of his hometown. And he had to walk past the men and the women and the children, those people that had seen him. They'd seen him feed 5,000 people. They watched him heal the sick and raise the dead. And now all of them were just left wondering, was, was this all a lie? So they took him to a hill called Golgotha. And they hung him on an old wooden cross. Was he angry at us? Did he hate us? No. No, Jesus knew that this was why he was here. The separation from God that had taken place at the garden was finally coming to an end. And at that moment, the doors of his heart were wedged wide open. And he was telling us, here, Let me take that from you. Give that sin to me. Here, I'll take that burden for you. Let me carry it for you instead. I am big enough. I am wide enough. I'm not a judge that you should fear. I am the father who loves every last one of his children. I am the friend who will never leave you. I am the light that pierces the darkness. I am the hope that your shame cannot extinguish. I am the gift without a cost. At that moment, Jesus is an open door to your sin, to sorrow, to suffering, to guilt, to despair and horror. And when it's over, he simply proclaims, it is finished. And he died. And it seemed like all was lost as darkness overtook the land. But the story of God wasn't finished. Jesus was buried and his followers were hopeless, thinking, why? 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 Why did he come just to die? They didn't know what we now understand, everybody, that on Friday, all was lost. But Sunday was coming. And on Sunday, God would do the impossible. 
When Mary Magdalene, she came to pay her respects at the tomb, her face tear-stained and her outlook hopeless, she found that Jesus wasn't there. An angel was at the tomb and he said, Mary, you're looking in the wrong place. Jesus is not amongst the dead and buried. He is alive. He is risen. Thomas, one of Jesus' own disciples, didn't even believe it. He said, oh, I'll believe it. I'll believe it when I can see the scars on his hand and put my hand in his side. And one week later, Jesus would pursue Thomas. And he'd show up in a locked room so that Thomas, too, even the doubter, could know and believe. The resurrection, it changed everything. Jesus has been restoring and making things new ever since he rose from the dead. And the amazing thing about resurrection life is it didn't just happen once. It keeps happening over and over and over again for those who believe. See, God set history in motion from creation to resurrection and from resurrection to this very moment to restore and renew a relationship with you and me. This is what Jesus did. The resurrection, it changed everything. God is no longer separate. He's no longer distant. You and I, we can talk to God at any moment. Jesus, he restored things and he made them new. That includes you and me. He paid the price for every sin so you don't have to. He conquered death. He conquered fear. He conquered suffering. And when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, a miracle happens. You can take any sin. You can take any sickness, any of your stress, any of your struggle, and you can lay it at his feet. Your cancer, a bad day at work, an affair, a divorce, shame, loneliness, depression, all of it can be left at the foot of the cross. You see, everybody, God wants you to be free. And Jesus came and he is risen so that we may have life. Every single one of us can have new life in him. And this is why, everybody, this is why, this is why we can't just leave him on a cross. This is why we can't just leave him as a baby. This is why Jesus has to be so much more than a trinket, so much more than a, a meme, so much more than a slogan on a t-shirt. He showed up so that you and I could be free. The reality of this story is, is that Jesus is alive. He's alive. His hands today, today and every day, they're outstretched to you and to me. And when you and I confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ did what he said he did, that he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved. The miracle takes place in our heart. The miracle, it's the creative power of the universe. God himself, he comes and he gives you a new heart. He gives you a new life. He gives you a new way to live. He redeems your work. He takes on your sickness. He takes on your disease. He takes care of your anxiety and worry and fear and depression and doubt. He takes all of it. It's a miracle. See, God knew that mankind we couldn't change on our own. There's no way. He knew that we couldn't 
restore a broken relationship because of sin with God the Father. He knew there was no one else that can do that, and so he became the bridge. And his sacrifice paid the price for all of our sin, covered it all. Scripture says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is Christ Jesus our Lord. All of us deserve death. And he said, I'll take it for you. It's incredible. It's incredible. He knew that we wouldn't be able to bear the weight or to pay the price for sin. Because the truth of the matter is, is that every one of us is guilty. I am. We're guilty. We're guilty of wanting to control our own destiny. We're guilty of wanting to become like God by our own knowledge of good and evil. We're guilty of pursuing life on our own terms. Guilty of resisting God's plan and purpose. And because of our choice, because of our decisions, we separate ourselves from God with our sin. But today, the story continues. It's not over. The story continues today, and it continues with you and me. And so I want to ask you if you would close your eyes and bow your heads. Because I just want you to, I just don't want you to be distracted. I just want you to be able to think for a moment. And I want you to be able to consider the story that I've told you. It's a fantastic tale. And if it is true, like we believe it is, it changes everything. And today, that story can come alive in your heart. The greatest story ever told can intersect with the story of your life and transform everything. He can take all of your sin, all of your rebellion, all your stuff, every part of your life that hasn't worked out right because you've tried to manhandle it on your own, he can take that. He's already paid the price. It would be a shame for all of us to pay it again. And so today, I just want to ask you if you'd be willing to receive the story. I'm not going to belabor it. I'm not going to make uh, too much time out of it. I just want you to decide. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And let's just choose. Today, if you want the story of Jesus, this Easter Sunday resurrection life story to intersect with your story, and you want to say, I'm going to choose to believe that today. And I want to live the story of Jesus. And I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And I want him to forgive me of my sin. And I want his sacrifice on the cross to count for me. I want to receive it all. Maybe it's the first time you've said that. Maybe it's the second time. Maybe it's the first time in a long time. Whatever the case, would you just, with nobody looking around, would you just be really bold and brave and just stick your hand up and say, yeah, Brent, that's me. I want to receive that story today. Do it now. Oh, that's awesome. Who else? Oh, that's awesome. Who else? Oh, that's so good. Who else? Come on, don't look around. Just, just hold your hand up for a second. Just, just because that's you saying to him, God, I choose you. Anybody else want to join us? Yeah, good for you. Oh, it's so good. Who else? Come on. All over the room. It's so good. It's the best decision that you will ever make in your entire life. I'm so grateful for you. So cool. Anybody else want to join us? Now I want to ask everybody in the room if you would pray this prayer out loud with me, all right? Let's say it together. Say, Heavenly Father. Say it strong. Heavenly Father, I choose to believe. I believe the story. I believe the cross. I believe Jesus. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. And I believe his sacrifice paid for all of my sin. 
And so I'm giving up. I give up my old way of life. I turn away from it now. And I want to turn into new life with you. Help me to do it. Forgive me for my sins. Make me a new creation. Give me a fresh start. Thank you for saving me. Now, would you be my savior? And would you be the Lord of my life? In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, everybody. That's good. We should give God thanks for that. (laughs) That's so incredible. Congratulations to those of you that prayed that prayer. Hey, listen, as we close here today, we're going to do something else. We're going to sing this song called Death Was Arrested. And we're going to celebrate once more. We're going to celebrate the work that Jesus has done in us. We're going to celebrate the work that Jesus has just done in many of you. And this is what I want to ask you to do today. During the course of this song, chances are some of you are going to want to stand up. You want to stand up. You're going to want to throw your hands up and celebrate what he's done. Yep, that's exactly right. I love it. So, so today, if you do that, I want to ask you to make that a moment of decision for you. Would you allow your standing to say something? I know, it's just a thing that you're doing inside a movie theater. Pretty nice one, though. But inside a movie theater. But let's also make it a declaration saying, as you stand, you're saying, I surrender to Jesus. As you stand, you're saying, I want to be, I want him to be the Lord of my life. As you stand, you're saying, I believe the story and I want to be a part of it. As we all sing together, death was arrested. Let's rejoice, everybody. It's good. It's good.